1: This is Basketball History 101, and I am your host, Rick Loiza. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. I've got my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza in studio with me today. So, hey, Jacob. How's it going? Good, Dad. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. So, as you're figuring out, Jacob is my son, and he helps me with the editing and the overall production of the podcast. He puts in the music behind my voice. He created the intro. Uh, selected some of the other music for the outro and he loads it up to the website for us so uh, it's great to have you in studio today jacob and today we are going to talk about the harlem globetrotters yeah and now we are so what what made you pick the harlem globetrotters what did you see in their story that you thought yes this is worthy of being on the basketball history 101 podcast i've always loved the globetrotters ever since i was a kid I loved watching them on TV. They'd have these Globetrotter specials maybe once or twice a year, and I just fell in love with those specials. I loved their comedy, the way they entertained people. I remember even all the way back when I was a kid, there was a TV movie called The Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. (laughs) It's a a ridiculous movie, but I loved it as a kid. So So they were on Gilligan's Island. So what is that? Is it just the Globetrotters with the Gilligan's Island crew? Yeah, so they're on Gorgillian's Island, and the Globetrotters have to play a team of evil robots for possession of the island. And as I'm saying it, it just sounds like a bunch of nonsense. But as a kid, I just loved watching that movie, the way they had to play these robots and the only way to win was they had to go into their, their comedy routine. That was how they how they won the game. Well, that explains why it was a TV movie and not released in theaters. <laughs> oh, no, no. This is not something you'd want to see in movie theaters. So, and, and they have such a deep history. I, I knew as I got older that the team went all the way back to the 1920s. And so it, there are so many stories from the Globetrotters that I wanted to, to talk about. So I figured if I'm going to talk about the Globetrotters, let's talk about their very first game or how they were founded. Um... And I thought that's just a great place to start. Yeah, that is. So I think it's about time to get started with the episode. What do you think? All right, let's go.
0: This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Lowiza.
1: Welcome back. This is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. And today we are going to talk about the Harlem Globetrotters first game. But this is a complicated story because there are actually two different accounts. There is the official story that the Globetrotters themselves tell as how they got started, but there is very little confirmation for this version of the story. Then there is a more likely and more documented story about how they got started. The problem is, there isn't enough concrete evidence to say that the second story is true. But the second story does have more documentation to support it. So what are we left with? Basically, we have no idea what the complete true story really is. And in one way, that's what makes this so fun, the fact that it is shrouded in mystery. I'll tell you both stories and let you decide which one you wanna believe. But before we do that, I need to tell you about a man named Abe Saperstein. He is credited with being the founder of the Globetrotters. And to understand both stories, we need to first understand who this man was. Then you can decide who you think the real founder of the team was. So let's get into Abe's story. He was born in 1902 in London, England to two Polish Jews, Louis and Anna Saperstein. His father was a tailor's apprentice back in Poland where both their parents grew up. But his parents had to escape Poland because Poland was under the control of the Russian Empire. And the Russians were very much anti-Jew back then. In the late 1800s, the Russian army was allowed to draft young male Jews to basically work like slaves for the Russian soldiers. They could be made to serve for as long as 25 years. So with that hanging over their heads, the Sapersteins escaped to England and then relocated to Chicago in 1907. Lewis Saperstein decided to use his skills as a tailor to find a job in a local tailor shop. The local tailor was looking for an assistant, but his job ad was very clear that no Jews were to apply. But Lewis wouldn't let that stop him, so Lewis told the shop owner that his name was Lewis Schneider. Schneider happens to be the German word for tailor, And with that, he got the job. He was able to eventually purchase the shop from the original owner when the original owner decided to retire. At that point, he stopped pretending about his last name and changed the name of the store to Saperstein's Tailor Shop. Now, this is the environment where little Abe Saperstein grew up. And when he was around 10 years old, he absolutely fell in love with sports. He played basketball, baseball, football, boxing, and track, just to name a few. Basically, anything that was offered, he signed up for. He so badly wanted to be a professional athlete in something. Unfortunately for Abe Saperstein, he grew up to a full height of 5'3". For my international listeners, that's 160 centimeters. But he was determined to make his career in sports somehow. So he had to tell his father that he was not going to take over the family business as a tailor. But since he wasn't that athletic and really, really short, he had to get creative. While working for the Chicago Parks Department as a playground supervisor, he organized a barnstorming team called the Chicago Reds. He began to earn a reputation for scheduling and promoting barnstorming teams. He was contacted by someone with an all-black baseball team and they needed somebody to organize a tour of Wisconsin and Illinois. Well Abe took the job and organized a successful tour for the team and everyone was able to earn a good amount of money on that tour including Abe himself. Through his success Abe was able to work with both black and white baseball teams and for a very brief period he was the chief scout for black players for the Cleveland Indians. Now let's get back to the Globetrotter story. The official story says that in 1926, Abe was coaching a black barnstorming basketball team called the Giles Post American Legion. That team would later become the Savoy Big Five when they relocated their home games from the American Legion to the Savoy Ballroom in Chicago. The story goes that the Savoy players had money issues with ownership and so they quit the team. Those players then asked Abe to leave the team with them and form a new team. And the new team would be called the Harlem New York Globe Trotters. Now remember, this is all happening in Chicago. No one in this story is actually from New York, let alone Harlem. But since they were an all-black team, saying that they were from Harlem New York automatically gave them a strong reputation. After all, the New York Renaissance were tearing up the barnstorming tours and everyone knew that they were from Harlem. So people just assumed that the Globetrotters were also from Harlem since that's what they called themselves. Abe then scheduled their very first game to be played in Hinkley, Illinois on January 7th, 1927. I've been to Hinkley; It's this little rural town in the middle of the cornfields in DeKalb County in North Central Illinois. I used to drive through Hinkley on my way to my father in law's hometown of Waterman, which is the next town over. If you live within 30 minutes of Hinkley, then you've probably gone out for ice cream at the Dairy Joy, which is like a mom and pop Dairy Queen. It's pretty good soft serve ice cream, and I would recommend it if you're ever in the area. As you enter Hinkley, there is a big sign that says, Welcome to Hinkley, site of the very first ever Harlem Globetrotters road game, January 7th, 1927. The problem with this story is that it's a bunch of baloney. The Savoy Big Five, the team where some of the players had come from, didn't even exist yet. And there's plenty of documentation on that. The main evidence is that the Savoy Ballroom wouldn't even open until Thanksgiving of 1927, 10 months after the supposed first Globetrotters game. Without the Savoy Ballroom, nobody would have called themselves the Savoy Big Five. And Abe never coached the Giles Post American Legion. And there are plenty of newspaper articles from that time that name the coach. And it's not Abe Saperstein. But as any good promoter will tell you, never let the truth ruin a good story. So this is a good place to take a break and I'll share the second story right after this. We're back and let's go to the second version of the Trotters' origin story. There was a player around that same time in Chicago named Tommy Brookins. Brookins did indeed play for the Giles Post American Legion and then later for the Savoy Big Five. And there were money issues with the team's ownership. That part of the story is all true. So Brookins and several of the Big Five players left the team along with the assistant coach and formed their own team and according to an article published in the Chicago Defender newspaper on November 24, 1928, the new team was called the Globe Trotters, spelled as two words, Globe Trotters, as opposed to today where the word Globe Trotters is spelled as one word. But in any case, they were playing under the name Globe Trotters, and Abe Saperstein had nothing to do with the forming of the team. Brookins was the leader of the team, and predicted the demise of his old team, the Savoy Big Five, since he had taken all their good players. However, most of those players returned to the Big Five when the owners worked to resolve the money issues. But Brooke had soldiered on with his new team. There are plenty of articles from that time reporting on the success of the Globetrotter season. Abe is not mentioned in any of these newspaper articles at this point. The team went by a couple of different names, They were initially called the Tommy Brookins Globetrotters. Later, they changed their name to the original Chicago Globetrotters. Brookins wanted to take his new team on a tour of Wisconsin and Michigan. So through a friend, he got in contact with Abe Saperstein, who was known for being very successful at scheduling barnstorming tours. Abe's only role at this time was as the team's booking agent. And for that service, he would get 10% of the revenue and an expense account of $100 to travel around and schedule many of these games in person. So the games are booked, and off they went to Michigan to begin the tour. Now, this is where the story gets really weird. The Globetrotters had just finished a game in Michigan. After the game, a fan came up and told them how great they were, and how he had seen them a few nights earlier in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Well, Brookins is confused. They hadn't played in Wisconsin yet. That was to be later in the tour. His teammate Randolph Ramsey comes over to Brookings with a sheepish look on his face. He tells Brookings that Abe was booking a second Globetrotters team to play in Wisconsin while Brookings was in Michigan with the first team. Well, Brookings is absolutely livid. He asks Ramsey who in the world was playing for the other team. Ramsey reports that it was a bunch of the players that they had cut. Some sources say that the players from the Big Five were moonlighting as Globetrotters for some extra cash. Finally, when Brookings does get a chance to confront Abe about it, Abe doesn't even deny it. He's excited. He says, Yeah, I thought it would be a great idea to have two teams touring under the Globetrotters' name. It means double the income. Well, double the income for Abe, that is. Of course, Brookens doesn't like this. Uh, he doesn't like it at all. But Abe says, What can I do? The games are booked and the tour has already started. Brookins doesn't even have the energy to fight Abe on this. As it turns out, Brookins was also an incredible singer in addition to being a great basketball player. It was at this same time that he was offered $75 a week by the Regal Theater in Chicago to be a full-time performer. This is the equivalent of a $56,000 a year salary today. It was a lot more money than what he had made as a basketball player. This is really good money to be a singer and also there's no more traveling, which Brookins was getting tired of. Also, Brookens' mother was sick and he wanted to be close to home to take care of her. So he decided to go ahead and pursue a singing career. So with resignation, he wishes Abe good luck and he asks Abe to promise to hire some of Brookens' guys for the new Globetrotters team. Abe says that he will, and he asks Brookins if he has any extra uniforms laying around. And Brookins does. He gives him three sets of Globetrotters uniforms. And with that, Tommy Brookins' Globetrotters are over, and Saperstein takes full control of the team without paying a single penny. So now the team belonged to him and he set out booking games and promoting the team as New York's finest basketball team. But is this second version of the story true? Or is it a bunch of baloney like the first story? Well, technically that's debatable. The second story does have more evidence backing it up. The details of the second story all come from an interview that Brookins did in the 1970s. Almost 50 years after the Globe Trotters started playing their games, by then he was an owner of a restaurant in St. Martin in the Caribbean. An old sports writer by the name of Michael Strauss was on vacation and ran into Brookens at his restaurant. When Brookens found out that Strauss was a sports writer from New York, he says to Brookens, "Do you know how the Globe Trotters really got started?" So Brookens tells Strauss all the details of the second story. If not for the chance meeting in St. Martin, the second story probably never comes to light. Strauss was naturally very skeptical at first because he had known Saperstein back in the day, but he had never heard this story. Unfortunately, Saperstein had passed away at this point, so he was not there to defend himself, and Brookens' version of the story gets published. And since that article, a number of sports writers and researchers have dug deep into this story going through rolls and rolls of old microfilm, piecing together the history of the team. And today, the consensus is that Brookens' story is the real one. Now, there are a few inconsistencies with dates and timing, but the basic facts all check out. Abe Saperstein basically stole the Globetrotters from Tommy Brookens, And in an ironic twist... The earliest confirmed game that the new Globetrotters played, now that they were completely under Saperstein's control, was indeed in Hinkley, Illinois. They played on January 21st, 1929, not 1927. And they played against the Hinkley merchants. And the merchants won the game 43-34. The Globetrotters netted a grand total of $8 from the game. Abe and the five players split the money and each went home with a $1.33. With that, you could get a ride back to Chicago and maybe two meals out of it. It's not bad for two hours work. And the newly christened Harlem Globetrotters were on their way. Abe would very quickly drop the New York part of the name to save on printing and embroidery on the uniform. And that was a smart idea because the great depression was going to start later that year and they were going to need every penny they could save. And today, as part of their business strategy, the current Globetrotters send three teams all over the world to perform their show. Two of the teams cover the United States, and the third team travels internationally. I guess Saperstein's idea of having multiple teams on tour was a good one after all. But I don't want to leave you with the idea that Abe was a bad guy. He was definitely a strong businessman, and well-connected. But he would also save the Globetrotters when the barnstorming basketball began to disappear in the 1940s. It was his idea to begin to introduce comedy into their games. Back then, they were just a regular basketball team. But eventually, other barnstorming teams started to go out of business. So the Globetrotters transitioned from a regular team to a basketball-themed comedy group. And because of that decision, the Globetrotters still exist today. Abe does deserve a lot of credit for that. And if you want to know more about the barnstorming days of basketball, go check out episode two of this podcast. And one final thing. How did 1927 become the date of the first game if they weren't even a team yet in real life? How did that become part of the official story? Well, it turns out that in 1947, they did play a game in Hinckley. And to help promote the game and sell tickets, Abe Sapperstein advertised the game as the 20th anniversary game. It really wasn't the 20th anniversary game, but once he said it, it meant that their first game must have been in 1927. And that's how myth becomes legend. Remember, never let the truth ruin a good story. And that's it for today. We'll talk about the Globetrotters again in the future as they have so many stories to share. So join us next time as we cover more NBA nicknames. On the next episode, we will make our way through the Atlantic Division, and we're going to find out how they came up with the name New York Knicks, Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, Brooklyn Nets, and the Toronto Raptors. That's next time on Basketball History 101. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101, There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us next time as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care, and see you soon.